The text for the sermon this day is taken from Hebrews 11, which you heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Did you by chance catch the hymn number? 6666? Fun story about Lutheran service book is they knew that they were going to have at least that many hymns in the hymnal. And so they're trying to figure out what hymn to put at 666. They put the one that is, Oh, oh little flock, fear not the foe. Basically, it's a hymn that sticks it to the devil. So it's like, yeah, we're not afraid of you or your numbers. We'll sing a hymn to find you. So theologians having fun with the hymnal. But anyways, today's text from Hebrews 11, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, is the chapter that's all about faith. But one of the things that kind of creates a challenge when we talk about faith is other passages of Scripture. So listen to, this is what Romans 3, verse 28 says. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And if you were to look at Luther's translation, he would put in brackets by faith, and then he put in brackets alone. Because faith is faith alone. It's one of those great solas of the Reformation. Sola literally just means alone. So the five solas were faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, to God alone be all glory. I don't expect you to remember that. Just Google it. You'll find it all up. And you can look up the Latin and learn some Latin while you're at it. But this is what James writes. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So here's the conundrum. Who's right? James or Paul? Because if you read it the way it writes, it sounds like they're at odds with one another. But obviously it's from Scripture. And I know it's popular to say the Scripture contradicts one another, contradicts itself. It doesn't. And in this case, it doesn't. The well, you know, they say the, de the devil's in the details. We're not looking for the devil. The gospel is in the details. What is faith? And that is the very core of it. And I have to start by saying, get ready for this, you're not actually technically saved by faith. Let me, let me explain. If you were to go, let's say, let's jump forward to January or February. And it is really cold out. And you're at Lake Okoboji, and you're looking at that water frozen. And you think, you know what? I'll bet you that's, that's thick enough to go drive a car out on it. And actually, you don't really have to figure that out. There might be, a, that car might be still up on the ice. But you might look and think, boy, that's, that looks pretty thick. But do you know what faith is? That's just believing. That's just affirmation. What you believe to be the truth. Faith, 
means you take a step on that ice and you walk on it. Now, if you are wrong and that ice is not thick enough, guess what happens to you? You go through, which means your faith was placed in the wrong thing. Which, by the way, if people say, I don't care what you believe in, just believe in something, that's a bad advice. You believe, you put your, if you put your money in the wrong thing, if you put your faith in the thin ice, you're going through. And you're not gonna, and hopefully you're not gonna like, oh, look at them drowning. At least they put their faith in something. No, that's bad, bad advice. Faith isn't actually what saves. Faith is what takes hold of salvation. The thing that would save in the case of that would be the ice. And if you think I'm going against scripture, this is what Paul says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Salvation is ultimately by grace on account of Christ. On account of his death on the cross. Faith itself is a gift. It's not something you do. See, faith is a byproduct of that grace. Faith is the gift that God gives to you so that you can lay hold and lay claim to that salvation. So Paul, when James says faith by itself, it, if it does not have works, is dead, the reason he is saying that is because there is no such thing as faith without works. It does not exist. If there is no works, it is not faith. Because again, what did he say? The demons believe that there is a God. And they shudder. You may, a person can confess until they're blue in the face that, oh yeah, I believe that there is a God. I believe that he is, you know, there's only one God. But I don't think I really need to be spending time in prayer or going to church or being in his word. You know what James would say to that? He'd say, good for you. The demons feel the same way as you do. That's harsh, but that's what he would say. Faith without works is dead. Faith clings to something. And God has given us wondrous means of grace that he can give very visible means and auditory means to cling to. You have the scriptures. You hear the word of God spoken, read from Genesis 1 all the way down to Revelation 21. And you believe and trust that this is indeed the word of God. Not that it just contains the word of God, but every bit of it is the word of God. And you trust that it is good for the, for the strengthening of your faith. It is good for bringing faith, creating faith, sustaining faith. It means that a little bit ago, when Russell was brought there, that water is not any special water. It just came out of the sink right out back. I know maybe, we could debate, I don't know, is Ida Grove, what, how, how good Ida Grove water is. But, 
You know, we, I didn't go and find, like, smart water so you could have a smart baptism. The water doesn't matter. I could have used, I could have held it out while it was raining or found a random puddle. And guess what? When I said, in the name of the Father, you are ba I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, that baptism indeed saves. Not because of me, not because of anything special about the water, but because of the word of God and the promise that was given with it. Scripture promises that baptism now saves. The promise is that this is for you and your children. And I know there's this idea, oh, children can't have faith. They have more faith than you do as adults. Faith, adults are the ones that struggle to have faith, not kids. Adults are always trying, they think they can do anything and everything on their own. Jesus said that you need to have the faith of a child. I, I, I don't know if you noticed this. Russell did not walk up for his baptism. Did you notice that? He had to be carried up. I'm pretty certain he's not, you know, go cooking meals yet or anything like that. I'm pretty certain he's pretty dependent on mom and dad. So, you think you are any different in relationship to God? You're not. All of us are in the same relationship, helpless. And when grace comes down and selects us, chooses you, he claims you as his own. And if you want a good example of the Bible of an infant, or better yet, somebody in the womb having faith, John the Baptist leapt in the womb at the presence of the, Jesus in the womb of, his, of Mary. Yes, children have, in, have faith. And you can cling to that promise of baptism. Luther made the encouragement that every single morning you start the day with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Clinging to that promise with faith, holding on to it, that God shows you you're his child. You can live and walk in that identity as a forgiven child of God. In a little bit, we're going to give you we're going to give you that little we're going to give you that wafer. We did not go out and find find the best bakery in all of France or something and bring bread back and decide okay this is going to be our communion bread. Now some people maybe they do think it's really tasty and they could eat it like chips or something, but I'm guessing not. There's nothing extraordinary about that bread. And the wine, I've heard people that don't like the wine. People give their complaints, and that's okay. We don't want good wine, because otherwise, you're gonna come and think, man, I gotta have some more, I gotta get some for the cupboard. So, I've been to churches that have that good wine. You're like, hmm, I gotta find out where they get this from. That's not what you should be thinking when you're doing communion. But when you come and you receive that wine, you receive that bread, that bread in, with, and under, with it is the body of Jesus. Jesus said, take, eat this. The bread is my body. He said, take, drink this. The wine is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And you trust his word. You trust his promise. That is faith. Clinging hold to the promise 
and the grace given to you. And by the way, that's why we come here, is to lay hold to that promise. Because God, if we wonder whether or not God can do those things, Hebrews just told us, how did he form the world? With his word. By the word of God, the world was formed. Faith. Faith is trusting. Not just in what you do here, but even in your life. Faith, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. If you go back to Genesis 4, do you know what was the difference between the offering of Cain and Abel? Cain gave, a ran gave just a random offering. Abel gave his first fruit. There's a big difference. So to put it in modern perspective, you get your paycheck, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, you take the very first bit of it, and you set aside and say, this is committed to the serving of God's kingdom. You, before you pay a bill, before you find the, buy the first bit of groceries, before you do anything else, you put it there. Why? Because you're trusting that God will carry you through. You're giving him as your first. Not, you don't just say, oh, I got a bunch of money. Okay, here we go. There's a little bit. That's, called, that's not faith. That's like just carrying out your due. Faith is that first faith. Or even that comes with your time. School is coming fast. And your schedules, many of your schedules will be filled. And you don't have to be in school to be filled. Somehow even retirees manage to fill up their lives really good too. But you know what? When you're looking at your week, it's not a coincidence that church is on Sunday morning. One of the first hours you're awake in the week. But you're looking at it and saying, okay, when you're setting out your week, you say, okay, this is a time set to Bible study. This is a time set to daily devotions and prayer. This is a time for worship. Then you go in and fill everything else. You're giving the first fruits of your time. Why? Because you trust him. You trust that he guides you through your days. That's what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And we walk in this faith because as it ends, we desire a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for you a city. You who have been called out of darkness by grace, through faith, on account of the blood of Christ, written in the scriptures alone, to God alone be all glory, in Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. Please.